Hey everyone, um, welcome back to Robin Ted's Excellent Adventures. This episode doesn't really have an intro because we recorded it in one kind of foul swoop uh, with our guest, Mr. Hutton. And so I'm kind of coming in after the fact to both introduce the episode and to also thank y'all because we now have 100 um, all-time listens on Spotify and Apple and across our podcast. So uh, Robert and I both really appreciate that and enjoy the episode. There's that. Yeah. So I had a question. We have like, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of people I've talked and I feel like there's no way that you're, you have a different perspective than me on this. Uh-oh. Here we go. But then again, there was, excuse me. <laughs> Um, so, but what's your view on the, like, creation story, basically? Because oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say, like, it's, it's just poetry. I argued one time, um, with a elder of, I think he's an elder, of Stony Point, uh-huh. before I knew he was an elder. Uh-huh. Um, and he was telling me that, um, the creation, like, when God said day and night, like, the creation could have taken thousands. He said, creation took thousands of years. Okay. And because in Psalms, or yeah, Psalms, it says that a millennia is just one second to God. Right. That means that creation, oh. because the poetry book, right, right, which right. is created to be full of metaphors, says this, it's definitely not a metaphor. Genesis isn't it's a law book. So my question to you is, do do you are you do you agree with me that like creation is just how it says in Genesis it took seven 24 hour days and if not do the same thing you did with Nephilims and ruin, my and ruin it for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay well I don't think that it necessarily was six 24 hour Oh, <laughs> now let, let, let's be even more granular. There's, there's prose, poetry, and myth. Those are different, uh-huh. right? Just because something is poetry doesn't mean it's not historically accurate, uh-huh. right? So the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere is a poem, uh-huh. but it describes an actual historical event Uh right so being poetry or prose doesn't determine whether it's myth or story or you know true Uh myth or historical event right poetry and prose can both describe myth right you know if you have a if you have a a a book a star wars book Uh it's written in prose but it's a myth right and so, um, so it's not, the question isn't whether it's poetry or prose. A, a great example of that is in uh, Exodus. We get uh, um, uh, the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. In the, it, it, we get a prosaic account uh, where it says, God caused a strong east wind to blow and mm-hmm. parted the waters. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what it, you know, that's the prose narrative. That's the narrative. Mm-hmm. 
Then they, they cross over uh, and the water falls in on the Egyptians and Miriam begins to sing a song of praise to God. And it's a poem. It's poetry. Uh-huh. And she sings... And God blasted from his nostrils a mighty wind. All right. So now she's being poetic, mm-hmm. but she's saying the same thing as the prose said, right? She's saying that God caused a wind to blow, but she's saying it in a very poetic way. So she is, she's not mythologizing. And we're not supposed to believe God had an, an actual nose, uh-huh. right? But she's just describing what God did in a very poetic way. Uh-huh. So they're both historically accurate. One is poetry, one is prose. Okay. Okay. So the question then uh, becomes, uh, in any passage, what is the genre of that passage? You know, gospels are a different genre than the letters of Paul, mm-hmm. uh, which is a different genre than the book of Revelation, yeah. which is different from the book of Psalms, which is different from the book of Proverbs. Uh-huh. Um and uh, and so another another good example there uh, is going to really weave into actually finally answering your question <laughs> with proverbs. Um, uh, there are the statements. Most of the statements in proverbs, most of those one-liners are what we would call truisms, mm-hmm. right? So uh, uh, you know, look to the ant yep. uh, and look to his diligence. And, and be like that. And, and diligence is rewarded. Mm-hmm. There are promises about hard work leading to good outcomes and laziness leading to bad outcomes. But they are, they are proverbs. They are truisms that are, and a truism isn't the different, is different than a promise from God, mm-hmm. right? So if God says, believe in, on me and, I, and you shall be saved, you know, John 3.16 is a promise, mm-hmm. right? There's not anybody who, who really believes in Christ and is not saved, uh-huh. right? Um, but the proverbs or proverbial sayings are truisms that are generally true. Diligent uh, work will lead to a better outcome on average than laziness. Mm-hmm. But we all know lazy people that succeed and diligent people that fail. Yeah. Psalm 73. There you go. And so why, yeah, why do the wicked, you know, so he's, he's taking his proverbial knowledge and looking at the world around him in Psalm 73 and going, I don't, I don't understand. Why is the wicked, you say in Proverbs that, you know, the righteous shall prosper and the wicked shall falter. And here I see the wicked prospering. And, um, and so Proverbs is different than, again, the letters of Paul, you know, or or the, the teaching of Jesus where promises are made to the people. So you got to understand each um, section of the Bible in its own genre. Okay. Otherwise, you start trying to take those prom- those proverbial sayings, those truisms, and turn them into promises. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't pan out, you go, "God's a liar." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, you have to understand poetry is poetry, proverbs is proverbs. It, you know, so we get back to Miriam. We don't actually believe God has a nose. Yeah even though what she's singing is true, it's poetry. And so it's, it's, it's describing in flowery language, something that really happened. Okay. All right. Can we so, pause there for half a sec? One more time. Okay, cool.
So this is also going to be the longest podcast yes. in yeah. Robin Ted history. Well, we might. We're either going to snip it all together and it's going to be an hour and a half long, or hour and whatever podcast, or we're going to oh, send it out. Could be a series of podcasts. Exactly. There you go. That's right. So we're so, just saying. Um, so in uh, in Genesis 1, mm-hmm. the, the it's debated as to what type of literature it is. Mm-hmm. It's fairly unique. It Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 2 or 2, 1 or 2, 2. I have to have it in front of me to know for sure, is different than the rest of Genesis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like Hebrew poetry, mm-hmm. uh, like the Psalms do, and it, but it doesn't look like the prose of, of the rest of, of Genesis. So there's a different, it's a different type of literature. It has, and it has poetic aspects to it. Uh, repeating lines, repeating phrases, uh-huh. parallelism, kind of stuff you expect in Hebrew poetry, and yet it's not a full-on, you know, it's not an example. It's different from the Psalms. It's also different from the rest of the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And uh, which makes sense to me because it should be, in our understanding, much older than than Hebrew poetry. So, you know, one one more step. I'm still working my way up to it. So one more step back. Um, uh, I also don't think that the, the the narrative of Genesis was something that God gave to Moses out of the blue, meaning that no one remembered Abraham and what he had done, or Noah, or uh, Enoch that uh, these uh, stories, Cain and Abel, all the stories of Genesis, I think were a part of the uh, oral tradition of the people of God. So much of what is in Genesis would be what you know Moses learned from his grandmother, as it were, um, uh, or in his case, probably his, his mother who nursed him, right? Telling mm-hmm. him the stories. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that it, again that it's not the Holy, Holy Spirit inspired, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write down what he did, uh-huh. but I don't think Moses just kind of received it all one night. Uh-huh. You know, he had no idea how the world was created. He had no idea that there was this guy called Noah. He had no idea that there was this guy called Abraham, and God just boom revealed it all to him. He knew these things ahead of time, uh-huh. and so that that Genesis one account of creation could have been something that he learned as a child. It could have been one of the songs he memorized at VBS, as it were. Um, and, uh, uh, and so again, so it's this, it's, it's kind of unique in the way it's the style of the writing uh, to the rest of the scripture. And there is a, um, a parallelism in the days that is uh, fascinating. So, um, on day one, mm-hmm. light and dark. Yeah. On day three, the sun, moon, and the stars. The, uh-huh. the, day four. I mean, day four, right. Sorry. So, day one is light and dark. And then on day four, you get this, the sun and the moon. You get the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. So, now, day two 
He separates the waters above from the waters below. Day five, so one, four, two, five. Day five, he creates birds and fish. So the, the rulers uh, to rule over the, the, the sky and the rulers to rule over the water, the fish and the birds, right? Then on day uh, three, he separates the land from the water, creates the plants, and then on day six, he creates the land animals. So one, so one, two, three lines up with four, five, six. Okay. Right. And so what God is describing there is the creation of realms and then rulers over those realms. So the, the light and dark is ruled over by the sun and the moon. The, the sky and the sea is ruled over by the birds and the fish and the, the land is ruled over by the animals and then uh, man is created uh, almost out of context because you know how each one of them goes each one of them kind of goes um, you know God did this uh, God said let there be and it was uh, and God saw that it was good and there was morning and evening and da, da, da. yeah and you get to that sixth day and it says, and God said, let there be, let the land teem with animals, all the different kinds of animals. And then, and, and it says, and God saw that it was good. And then you expect, what you're expecting next is, and it was morning and evening. Uh -huh. But it goes from God declaring it good to him creating man and woman, and then declaring it very good. And then you get the morning and evening. So mankind is, is like, you got, it goes, it goes, again, it goes one, four, two, five, three, six, six B, man, right? And then it goes right into, and God rested on the seventh day. And so uh, what I see in that is that man was created with like one foot on the sixth day and one foot on the seventh day. We were created with the animals and so we are animals but at the same time we were created to worship that seventh day rest and worship of god to give glory to god and and so we are god's final creation uh as the great ruler over everything you know so he creates three realms he creates three sets of kings to rule over those realms and then creates man last of all to be his sub-regent over it all. Uh -huh. And so uh, Genesis chapter one, as I understand it, is primarily answering the question, why did God create? Okay. And so we come at it as moderns asking the question, how did God create? And and I don't think that it was ever intended to answer that question. It was intended to answer, why are we here? Not how did we get here? Mm -hmm. Now, there are plenty of implications we can draw just because the, any, and this would be true of any passage of the Bible. The, you, you, the, the, the writer may have written it for one purpose and then it could have other implications, right? Uh, and so, uh, having said all that, then I would say that I am agnostic on the length of time that it took to create. Agnostic meaning I don't know, 
and I don't think I need to know how long it took. Because the important point is why he created and what's my role in it. And then just to kind of add to the um, uh, I was going to get the exact right, but I think it's Genesis 2-4. The creation story kind of starts over after he says uh, talks about the Sabbath. And then it kind of starts over the story again, now focusing on man, right? Uh And and it it says uh, uh, it says the Shoot. I have it pulled up. Okay, go ahead. 2-4. I think it's 2-4. These are generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Okay, keep going. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils. Okay, so let's just pause there. So we're getting this the second accounting of the creation of man. So we created him in chapter 1, and now we're kind of retelling the story with more detail. Uh-huh. Right? And did you catch that there was no uh, no plants? You know, yeah. And it, and it gave a reason why there were no plants. There was no plants because it hadn't rained yet, uh-huh. and there was, as of yet, no man to irrigate. You know, so the two ways plants on earth get watered, uh-huh. rain or man irrigating, right? Us taking dominion yeah. and doing our job of, of uh-huh. right? All right, so now think about in the, in the Genesis chapter 1 narrative, the land was covered with water at the beginning of day 3, uh-huh. right? And then it's it emerges from the water at the beginning of day three, and then we get the plants on day again on day three. Mm-hmm. So we go from completely flooded to land to plants within six hours, eight hours. You know, you're getting you know if it's if it's if we're 12, talking about twenty four. We're talking about a twenty four hour process, right? Then you know it, at at best it's twenty hours mm-hmm. from flooded to the first plants being there and you would never say well there's no uh there's no plants in that field because it's too dry if that field was flooded yesterday Mm -hmm. right and so uh i I think there is some some biblical evidence to suggest that it's not 24-hour periods yeah but again there's nothing that again it's it's all just speculative yeah Mm -hmm. and so i'm Again, I'm, I'm agnostic on how long it took. Obviously, it's God's doing. God yeah. is the creator. He created it. And also, it, it is clear both from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that man is created uniquely. Yes. Right? So there's no hint that we evolved from some amoeba. Yeah. Both the Genesis 1, which I think is more poetic, uh-huh. and the Genesis 2, which is clearly prosaic, Describe man as being created uniquely, and so I think uh, I think to question the existence of a real historical Adam is biblically problematic. Yeah, and uh, uh, but to try to answer all of our scientific 
questions about the details of how the word world was created from the Bible is also problematic. So yeah. So there you go. So like the two things that I've always said, uh huh, or the one thing that I've always said, and then I also kind of have like a question ish to your thing, your explanation uh-huh. is like I feel like if it wasn't twenty four hour time, right. And then it was 24 hour time. That would be a big enough deal, right? That in the Bible, in the Bible uh-huh. or in man's history, right? Like, hey, it's a big event. Let's acknowledge it. There would be some writing on the wall somewhere, right? Some hieroglyphic of some sort uh-huh. depicting 24 hour time, like just kind of coming into existence, right? Well, there kind of is a four. Yeah, sun, moon, stars made right and so now because because what i was thinking right so like so day one all there is is light and darkness right uh-huh. but what but is there was evening in the, light, the what is making the light and darkness right god yeah right but there was evening and morning that's another thing yeah, i kind of yeah. like but but until you have the but, solar system by at least my position is at least by day four you have to have 24 hour days because then you have the plants then you have the uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah but Day one, where it creates night and day, could have just been a minute, seconds. Just it's light now, now it's dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so and nothing. But but um, my position is, I don't like the idea that it takes God all this time, like thousands of years, mm-hmm. because time is one of our time is like one of our biggest weaknesses as mm-hmm. humans, right? Because it kills everything. Right. right, it kills mountains. Right, right. yeah, yeah. Um, it kills you. Know, right, just yeah. time just destroys. Like time yeah. is a weakness, and I don't think God. Time, time is not a weakness to God. Yeah. time is nothing to God. So I'm not sure time was a weakness prior to the fall. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It went. Oh yeah, but it it, it, lim- it yeah. limits. Although, well, it wouldn't have limited before the fault because there's no corruption. Right. Although, I mean, there's a sense in uh, water would would still erode. Water would still erode. Yes. Yeah. The the and I had one of my professors say, and again, this is fairly speculative. Uh, it wasn't that man was created immortal and then became mortal with sin. Mm. Um, there, there. Uh, it's that God would have been present with us and therefore he would have preserved us by mm. his presence. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you, 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 uh, father has a little two year old and, uh, they're at the edge of the grand Canyon. Uh-huh. The father is holding the child's hand and they're looking over the edge of the grand Canyon. Right. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the father is protecting the two-year-old from falling off the edge. Now, if yeah. the father lets go, in typical two-year-old fashion, they're going to start running around, and there's a good chance they're going over the edge. Mm-hmm. What keeps them alive is not their immortal status, but the father holding on to them. Makes sense. And so the, my, uh, my professor said that it wasn't, it, if in the garden, if in the garden, a child, you know, before the fall, there were no children, but yeah. if there had if there had been no fall and we were all still living in the garden and a child fell off a cliff, they would die at the bottom. 
The thing is, they won't fall off the cliff. Oh. Because, um, like... Because God is there and protecting them and seeing to it that that does not happen. Yeah, that makes sense. I flabbergasted. I went to our old church for a youth group when they're, we were having their last, like, youth group of summer. Uh-huh. And they were talking about, like, creation. And I had recently heard something here that was, like, from Pastor Bullock that, like, uh-huh. there was pain in the garden. Um, right. You, you yeah. can see that because it says God multiplied. This her is pain. what he yeah, said. Her pain multiplied her pain. Greatly in, in, zero times in, zero times 100 is still zero. Right. Yep. So multiplying it so that now it's really painful yeah, yeah. means it was at least at one before. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. And one is value. So, um, and so I went there and we were talking about, it and they were like, yes, yeah, like there was no, there was nothing bad before the garden. I was like, there was still pain. And everyone was like, since when are you a heretic? Right. Like that was the face I was giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they literally looked at me like legitimately, like since when are you a heretic? Yeah, yeah. Going to that new church has really changed you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. So what? So you said it. You said what you just said. Right? Yeah. So what did they say? How did they their response it? was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first word was definitely well, but they're like, yeah, I guess so, but that's not to say that like you would really as often feel that pain like it must have been so 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 small that it was basically non-existent if even you're right and then and then these people would never use the whole genesis as poetry right started spotting genesis is poetry can we really like one is poetry yeah chapter one two and fifty are all but sir talking about your thing talking about your thing like there had to have been like 24 hour time by day four in the Bible, it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. So, like, what is, what is, like, my thing is, like, what is Moses defining? What is Moses taking from his mother who took it from, like, right, right. where are these people, what are these people defining as evening and morning? Yeah, how, is did, it they, just how like, did they understand it? That's a good question. Is it just, like, bright time, dark time, right. evening, morning, it right. can be whatever you want? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. And that is always a good question to ask when you're studying the Bible. How would the original audience have heard? Mm-hmm. How would they have understood mm-hmm. this? Uh, uh, and there, there, there are a few places in the Bible where they just would not have gotten it. But that was on purpose. Uh-huh. And typically, the right answer is we should understand it the way they did. Because yeah. they, it was written initially for them. And then it's we're we're receiving the benefit of what god revealed to them yeah um uh and so that you know that is that is a good question and and i again if if i'm correct that this is some form of ancient poetry uh-huh. then they would have understood that mo that they would have understood it as uh uh as such as having uh, as being as having latitude in what things, what it means. Uh So just like um, the original, so the the people who crossed the Red Sea Mm -hmm. and were standing on the other side, when Miriam sang uh, that God blasted from his nostrils a mighty wind, they didn't go, huh, 
I didn't realize God had a nose. Yeah. Right. They, they understood it in, in the, in the context of what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would think, uh, if, if my understanding is correct, then they would have understood that this is a way to describe that he's you that the original author, uh -huh. assuming it's not Moses, but it could have been Moses, uh, is using, um, this type of day and night language, uh, to describe the, the, the why of God's doings. Mm -hmm. That, that, that makes sense. And then one more question I had, like con concerning this is like, so you said that if a field is dry, you wouldn't just say like, well, if it was flooded yesterday, if it was flooded there yesterday, would be veg vegetation. You'd never say there's no vegetation here today because it's too dry. Yeah. Well, that like, in terms of logic, uh -huh. it makes sense. Uh -huh. But I also don't think that God always follows logic because he so resurrected. follow our logic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because he kind of like, he resurrected his son from the dead. He said like, uh, in the beginning, he said, there's light and there was light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that, that doesn't seem like, basically I'm saying if anyone could have just made all of the earth. Yeah. And what's 24 times six, seven. 144. You'd go six because he's not working obviously on the seven. Yeah. yeah. So six times 24 is 144. Right. So 144, Hours. if anyone could have made this whole thing. In 144 hours, yeah. it would be God. Yeah, of course, because God can do it instantaneously as yeah, well. He doesn't even need 144 months. hours. Yeah, and so Augustine actually argued that God created it instantly. Um, Goodness, so people are all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a certain point in like theology and stuff where I'm like, why have men concerned themselves so much with like figuring out the why? Yeah, but isn't that what you were kind of talking? And yeah. when you said like that, that's what I. Of yeah. It's like. As long as it doesn't get in the way of, like... God created. Yeah, God created. Man fell. And, and God, God's God going to save us. God has saved us. And yeah. He's coming back. Right. And if there, if there, and so back to the fact that, you know, I said in both Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it seems to indicate a, a unique creation of man, mm -hmm. right? And then just theologically, if Adam's not real, then there's no actual fall. Yeah. And, and who we are is just the way God created us. Yeah. yeah. And that's problematic. That and is... that, that completely ruins our theology. If there is no Adam, then everything, our, our, you can just throw the Westminster Confession in the trash can because everything, it, it all hinges on that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 you know, if there is no actual Adam who fell, then we are living in the world as God created. And that's why I like don't understand who people who don't with people who don't believe the inerrancy of scripture mm -hmm. is and like some of the stuff that's like obviously not a metaphor being a metaphor. It's like, well, if you believe that's a metaphor uh -huh. or you don't believe in the one thing that God gave us to because you can read you can read like like something bigger made this earth, right? Uh -huh. But nowhere can you go outside and be like, all right, so there's a savior who was crucified. I see that in that tree. That bird just told me he was, he was right. buried and risen. The third, right? Right, right. There's no way you can, 
get that. And so if you don't believe the one thing that gives you that information and you don't believe it fully, then the question is, what can you believe about it? What can't you believe about it? Why don't you make a revised version of all the true things so that we don't have to listen to all this crap about hell? Because if it's not real, then why do we read it? But then the, 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 I actually mentioned this in the adult Sunday school this past week. Um, if you can, if you, if you can fix your ultimate authority, it is no longer your ultimate authority. Amen. Right. So, uh, um, you know, if, if, you know, if we kind of all came to the conclusion that, you know, that, you know, this statement in Paul, we agree he said it, but it's just wrong. Right. Yeah. Then. Oh, then the the whole Bible ceases to be the ultimate authority, mm-hmm. and we, the, our opinions that decided that Paul was wrong, we become the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. It, it's like putting God in a box, kind of, right? Like you're true to a certain point, but outside of the box, that you're not true. Well, I, I just mean that that you can't correct your ultimate authority. As soon as you correct an ultimate authority, whatever you correct it with is the ultimate, is the ultimate authority. That makes sense. And so it, if, so either, as you say, either God has spoken in his word mm-hmm. and it, therefore it's inerrant or it ha- really has no authority at all mm-hmm. because Our, there's some other authority that we have to actually look to yeah. to understand which parts are true and which parts aren't. I remember... And this just kind of reminded me about it and something I heard as like a little kid with like dad reading us books. So it's like a, it's a fun memory that I've thought about a lot over my life. Robert, do you remember what those books are called where like there's probably six to eight of them lined up and they have the symbol, like part of the symbol all across their back. And so when they're all lined up together, you can see the symbol. What's that called or what was the book? What, what, like what were those book series called? It was like how God saved you from a thunderstorm. Oh yeah. It was like, those. yeah, it was, it was just a bunch of stories. I don't even know if they were real or fiction of just like, yeah, but it's some a, like mighty miracles of like, short, oh, that would never happen or just some like, it was stories. short stories of people come like kind of coming to Christ or like gospel stories. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, a lot of them sound very real, but one of them that we uh, read has like stuck with me for a while. And it was this dude who was an atheist. Uh-huh. Um, I think they claim to be like true stories, but dude who claims to be, who is an atheist and he's talking to some Christian dude and they're all like short stories. So good for kids. Uh-huh. Um, and he's talking to some Christian and the Christian's talking about the like 10 commandments, probably doing some transcendental, uh, yeah. Transcendental argument for God. Uh-huh. Um, maybe Mr. Fender. Um, and then he, the atheist is like, um, atheist is like, well, if those are the 10 commandments, then I could totally add to those and make them better, which <laughs> means your God's not real. Cause he didn't make things like perfect. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So the Christian is like, go home and do it then and bring it back to me. And I would love to see it. So this atheist goes home, starts looking at the 10 commandments, researching them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to add an 11th commandment and he can't because he sees that everything's covered. Yeah, yeah. There's no room for an 11th commandment. Yeah. And so then he becomes a Christian, like kind of comes back. And so that's kind of, that reminded me like kind of saying if what you were saying, like mm-hmm. if, if this is what we're doing, yeah, yeah. then it's no longer the ultimate authority. Right. If we can make an 11th commandment, then right. God's no longer the <laughs> ultimate authority. Right. And that 11th commandment or we, or whoever 
gave us the 11th commandment as the ultimate right. authority. Right. So that just kind of reminded me of that. And that was a fun memory that I've like kept with me for a while. Well, I think we're almost out of time here. Yeah. We've gone almost 90 minutes. So we're probably going to wrap up here. Any final thoughts, Mr. Hutton? No, no, just I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> we might have to do a second sure. episode or episodes, yeah, whatever yeah. this ends up Series being. Series number yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, thanks for being on and yes. being our first guest. Yeah, it was an honor yeah. talking to you. So yeah. thank you. My pleasure.